one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Adi Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Good afternoon. If you love your boxing and your MMA, then this is obviously the show for you. Find it extra where we bring you all the latest from the world of combat sports. Joining me, as always, is the great Gareth A. Davis for another busy, busy show. Coming up on the show today, should Anthony Joshua step aside? We'll look at the heavyweight division as calls grow for AJ not to have a rematch with Alexander Usyk. Amir Khan versus Kell Brook is only a few weeks away now. We're going to get the latest from both fighters. And we'll look back on UFC 270s and Garno beat Cyril Garn in what some say was a disappointing fight. Look, don't go anywhere. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. If you're Anthony Joshua and you are going to be presented by your team with an offer that, that reportedly is going to be upwards of, uh, what, 15 million pounds, around $20 million American to step aside, when somebody gives you $20 million for doing nothing, Swallow your pride and take the money. I'm hearing people saying AJ accepts 15 million to step aside. I ain't signed no contract. So as it stands, stop listening to the b- until it comes from me. Every time we see each other, I mean, look, I can see in his eyes as well, he, he doesn't like me. And likewise, we've always had that bitterness against each other, you know? I've got uh, itchy knuckles now. I'm ready to uh, get in there. The fact is, it's happening now. We're all getting to see it now. Better late than never, as my teacher always used to say when I was late in the school. We have got the fight, February 19th. And still, the undisputed UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Look, we've got absolutely loads to talk about for the next hour. We might have to extend the show. I think this this could go on longer than an hour, this one. Uh, I want to start with the... Firstly, hello. How are you, Gareth? Hello. I, I'm very well, sir. How are you? Um, big trouble in little China with my Telegraph story this week, eh? <laughs> well, you know, now, now you're going there. Let's go there. It was your piece that broke the internet. It, it, it honestly broke the internet. I think your piece even got a response from Anthony Joshua. Um 
look, you wrote the piece, Gareth. Um, where did it come from in terms of the figures? I don't know how much you can reveal here because, again, your sources are your sources. But to be fair, um, Alexander Usyk's manager came out and really backed what you said as well about conversations happening between Usyk and Fury since November. So a lot of what you wrote in that piece has been backed up. Yeah, absolutely. Good afternoon, Eddie. It's uh, it's one of those funny ones, isn't it? There's three fights potentially for the top four heavyweights in the world at the moment that we're all poised. After months of speculation, after the, the disaster last June when we didn't get Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, by the way, let's not forget history here. Mm. And we got one of the battles for the ages or two of the battles for the ages, if you like, with Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder within the space of a fortnight last year in September and October. Look, there's three fights out there. Um, Anthony Joshua trying to recorrect claim his WBO, IBF and WBA belts against Alexander Usyk. There's Tyson Fury defending his WBC belts against Dillian White, mandated at an 80-20 split by the World Boxing Council of WBC. Mm. Or there's the undisputed title next, between Alexander Usyk with those three belts and Tyson Fury with the WBC crown. That will all come to a head, we expect, tomorrow night at high noon. Um, Mexico time, OK Corral time for all the promoters. <laughs> Gunslinging, money-grabbing, um, kind of huge deal-making. It's gone on and on and on for months, this. I can't reveal my sources. I never do, but you know who I've been speaking to. I've been speaking to the movers and shakers, I've been speaking to lots of people on the inside and I know we're going to talk about it later in the show. You go back and watch the Anthony Joshua video uh, that he put out yesterday in response to the story. Um, and Anthony at no point in that piece did he say, no, I'm absolutely fighting Alexander Usyk next. There was deafening silence in that about Alexander Usyk because he is considering it. You know, I had to defend you on my own YouTube channel. I'm only, I made a video and I was like, look, whether or not you guys see eye to eye with Gareth, I've worked with him for the best part of two years and he knows what he's talking about. I said that figure that he mentioned of 15 million hasn't just been plucked from thin air. He didn't just make it up. Trust me, he knows something. And I had to put a lot of fires out for you, Gareth. So um, feel free to thank me later. But I put a lot of fires out for you yesterday. I, I Well, no, I, I'm going to thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I mean, okay. look, look. Look, we, we, the, the other thing about this, whatever anyone thinks about the story and who the sources are and where it's come from and what people think about is it makes absolute sense. Mm. And I've been talking to some of the old sages from boxing that have been involved for 50, 60 years in the sport, yeah. 40, 50. It makes absolute sense for Anthony Joshua to step aside and take a huge sum of money and fight the winner of Alexander Usyk and Tyson Fury next. It makes absolute sense. It's likely to be Tyson Fury. So in one fell swoop, he'll get all the money that he was going to get for the Tyson Fury fight in the start. And he gets to step aside and he gets to work with this new training team for an extended period of time. And he hasn't even announced that team. And why hasn't Eddie Hearn announced the Joshua Usyk fight yet? That took place five months ago. It hasn't been announced yet. All these things, mm. all these things point to high noon at the OK Corral. Listen, if the white fury purse bid comes through tomorrow, that may well go on and happen. And then we will get Anthony Joshua against Yusuf. Let me ask you, what do you think is the next 
best sensible move for Anthony Joshua? I'm going to save my response till after the break when we go into this in a bit more detail. Okay. But but I will say this, though. I think there are three or four reasons why I think AJ should take the step aside. And I've only got one reason why he shouldn't. And even the one reason doesn't make sense. But for me, there's a bit of pride in there. One reason. But I will save it as we move on very quickly to Khan versus Brooke. What, what is good now about Khan versus Brooke? And that you'll be there for TalkSport. Obviously, TalkSport have now signed a deal with Boxer. Um, so you'll be there for it. You'll be there ringside doing what you do with Adam Cattrall and, and Andy Clark, obviously one of the best teams in boxing. Um, I initially, when this fight was initially announced, I was like, ah, don't want to see it. I'm done. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've grown up wanting this fight to happen for the best part of 10 years. Now, though, a few weeks away, I feel like a little kid in the sweet shop. I can't wait for it to happen. Look, within the panoply, the phalanx of fights announced, fight events announced, for February and March, and it's a brilliant February and March. Um, Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall, yep. Amir Khan and Cal Brook next weekend we're there as well for Chris Eubank and uh, Liam Williams. I'm speaking to both of them this week as well. As you rightly say, I caught up with Amir Khan and Cal Brook last week as well. I know we're going to hear them on the show. They were both fantastic. And I tell you, I did the international media call with them. And then I got on the Zoom with both of them. Um, uh, Cal in Fuerteventura in Las Canarias. Um, off the coast of Spain, of course, mm. more Africa than than Spain in yep. terms of, you know, geographically where it is. The temperature there is amazing. And then got off the phone with Amir, who'd been in Colorado Springs. I got onto the phone rather on the Zoom with Amir, Colorado Springs, talking all about training around the Omaha team of Bo Mack and Terence Crawford and Shaka Stevenson there and saying at 35, I was worried about it, but I was able to keep up with all the guys. We were running the hills on a Sunday and training twice a week for six days a week. And I tell you what, they both really want this fight. Kel's a bit worried that Amir won't turn up and he'll pull an injury or because he wants it in a way more than Amir. He needs it more in a way for his own psychology, for his own psyche, Addy, um, to know that he got this fight in the end, a fight that he craved. He's craved this fight for absolutely years. So um, they're both in a similar state of wear and tear in their careers in their mid-30s now. And I think we're set for a cracker. And there's a rematch clause, just in case it really is a cracker. Indeed. Uh, well sold, Gareth, by the way. They must have paid you a bit <laughs> extra for that sell. That was fantastic. Uh, it's crazy when you mention Ame Khan's agent to think that Ame Khan has been a pro for half his life. Let's yeah, absolutely. It was like covered... for Athens after, wasn't it? He's been a pro for absolutely. that long. Absolutely. When he won the World Youth Championships, you know, when he was 17, he couldn't get in the British team for to start for the Olympics. And he was thinking about fighting uh, for Pakistan, representing Pakistan at the time because of his heritage as well. He desperately wanted to go to the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens. He got there, of course, and lost in the final against a vastly experienced Cuban, Mario Kindeland, who he avenged defeat against as a professional, as a young professional. I remember being up there in the Reebok Stadium as it was then. I don't know if it's still the Reebok Stadium no, in, um, in Bolton. Name there. I don't know what it's called. It's not the Reebok. Yeah, but it was it. then. I think it was the Reebok then, I think, if I remember rightly. And, um, you know, he's had an incredible career. It, more than half his life has been lived in the public eye. And, and it's reflected in the way he is and the way he carries himself. His table manners, but on the Zoom call, by the way, you'll hear them later. You can hear the cutlery chinking. He'd just done the international media call. He needed his dinner. I said, now you go ahead and eat while we do the Zoom call. He has got impeccable table manners doing an interview while and eating while we, uh, while, while we spoke. Mm, indeed he has that's how many gone isn't it that's how many gone uh, quickly uh, UFC 270 is in the books as they say um, Engano 
defending his title against Cyril Garn in a fight we kind of didn't expect. I don't think anyone predicted it would play out like that. I want to quickly touch on, though, the issue with Dana White not putting the belt around um, Ngannou's waist. It was Mick Maynard who did it. And then Dana White not even doing the post-fight press conference. And we're so used to seeing him do all of those, by the way. I actually found that very disrespectful and almost bullying-like. Honestly, it's difficult to bully a guy that's six foot seven and 265 pounds, but it was bullying. I didn't like it at all. And you could even see Ngannou and his voice was very upset by it as well. I mean, for, for Dana White not to put the belt around his waist, it's ridiculous and childish. Yeah, well, Francis Ngannou is one of the great sports stories of the modern era in fight sports. And, you know, from being an 11-year-old boy in Cameroon, um, uh, digging out in the quarry and, 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 and getting that incredible physique where he looks like, he, you know, he, he looks like a truck, doesn't he? And, um, and, and I think, you know, it, it was very sad to see that. And I think there's no one that pulls Dana up. He's his own boss, of course, and he does what he wants to do. He has canonical ownership of what he does in the UFC. Um, he's a master marketeer as well. And even though we know that Ngannou has been unhappy behind the scenes mm. with his deals and what he's getting paid and he wants this and that in his contract and he feels like he's given his all to the UFC. Uh, you know, I think his his uh, his appearance with Ariel Helwani on the MMA Hour yesterday has garnered a lot of appreciation yeah. from other fighters and fans um, for the fact that he stood up and spoke his mind uh, about those things. And, you know, um, people are calling it one of the most courageous uh, UFC fighter interviews ever because he's he's risking all. Will he ever fight again in the UFC? That's what we're asking now. And I wonder if Scott Coker and Bellator and some of the boxing promoters are now rubbing their hands together in glee, thinking, hmm, maybe Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou is a bit closer now, as is Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou, because those big boys would sell. It's as simple as that. He's a star. He certainly is a star. And we'll discuss Ngannou a bit more. Uh, later on in the show. All right, this is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we're going to be discussing the huge heavyweight title fight at UFC 270. We just heard there last weekend. And we're going to preview Khan versus Brook, which will be live right now on TalkSport. Great news for TalkSport listeners. But next, we're going to hear from Tyson Fury and ask whether Anthony Joshua should take step-aside money available to him. It's prize fighting. In this case, it can be prize sitting on your rear end. I can appreciate the, the competitive spirit of Anthony Joshua or any boxer for that matter, but if it was good enough for Lennox Lewis to take, you know, what, four or five million dollars to step aside and not fight Mike Tyson, it should be good enough for Anthony Joshua. I'm the man in control of my destiny. I'm the man that handles my business. And I make calculated decisions every step of the way. Don't listen to the from other sources. If I tell you something, you know it's real. Yeah, we well, well, we'll find out if it's real or not in the next couple of days. Um, but let's look. Let's hear from one man first, who's getting impatient, waiting to find out who his next opponent is, and that man is Tyson Fury. He took to social media to voice his own frustrations. Another gym session done Tuesday morning, smashed. Tick, tick, effing tick, tock is the subject of today. Is Dylan White gonna fight me? Is Anthony Joshua gonna step aside? Let me know because I am sick of looking at these bums, sick of listening to their excuses. Tick, tick, tock. The time has run out the bottle. You're all getting a good hiding, cowards. 
<laughs> you got to love Tyson Fury. Honestly, Tyson Fury is one of the best showmans I've seen for years in boxing. Honestly, absolutely fantastic character. This is Friday Extra on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adil Adipo, the great Gareth A. Davis as well. All right, let's, let's talk about this. The step aside, will AJ do it? Are we more likely, and it seems like we are now, to see Alexander Usyk versus Tyson Fury than AJ versus Usyk or Dillian White versus Tyson Fury? Uh, at the start of the show, Gareth, you asked me, do I think AJ should step aside? And I said, yeah. I'll, I'll wait and give you my answer. From a business standpoint, absolutely yes. Someone's giving you £50 million to almost say, okay, look, we'll do the business for you, then uh, why not? From a, uh, this is maybe a bit silly, but from a fighter standpoint, and look, the only comparison I can make is with Deontay Wilder when he got absolutely bashed up by Tyson Fury the second time round. And he was like, you know what? No, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I'm, it's not going out like that. We're not, we're not going out like that. We're going to do it again. We're going to roll the dice again. So much so, he even took Tyson Fury to an arbitration to make sure that third fight happened. Some might say it's because of money, and I'll argue and say, well, you know, he got paid decent for Luis Ortiz, second time round in Dominic Brazil. You know, he does make his money now. But the fighter in him was like, no way is that playing out like that again. And we saw how well he did in the third fight. And that's the only reason I want AJ to take on Usyk, just the fighter in him. Because I almost feel like him passing Usyk over to Fury is him almost admitting that he can't beat Alexander Usyk. And that might be the right thing to do. I just don't like it from the fighter standpoint. Yeah, I mean, like you say, there's a clear dichotomy there, Andy, mm. in, in, in how you think as a businessman and how you think as a fighter. And weirdly, over the last two months, Anthony Joshua has given interviews depicting both those personalities. Yeah. Um, and like you say, that there is a huge amount of self-belief and ego and um deep warrior spirit involved in what you're talking about that it seems like a weakness to step down but you read Sun Tzu the art of war you don't have to win every battle to win the war and this is a war it's a war to be the king of the era mm. and um styles make fights and Usyk and Fury are the two most difficult styles for Anthony Joshua in the division. Mm. It's a shootout with Deontay Wilder. Anthony Joshua's a better boxer than Deontay Wilder. In my view, he's more finesse than Dillian White. And he's a, he's a bigger and more dangerous finisher than, than Dillian White, if we're mentioning some of the other heavyweights. Flip Hergovic, um, you know, others coming through at the moment, Jared Anderson, they're the new generation that these older guys in their 30s may not be able to deal with eventually in a year or two's time. So I think I really do take your point on that. And that's probably what mentally Anthony Joshua has been wrestling with and consulting with, with different coaches. Um, but the old sages in the sport who've done things in a different way and, and paradigms shift and times change would say that he's better off to rebuild uh, rather than go straight back into a battle, a second battle, maybe the last battle um, of, of the, the, the marketing um, around Anthony Joshua as the heavyweight champion. If he loses, that, that could collapse because, you know, if he loses twice to Alexander Usyk in a row and he's comprehensively outboxed again and even knocked out, um, it really is a very difficult climb back from there. It's a difficult, difficult rematch anyway, because when we see those silhouettes dance, you, 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 you see that Anthony Joshua has to do completely different things the second time around. 
I mean, I was talking to TalkSport earlier about it. And he's got to push Usyk into corners. He's got to lean on him. He's got to get on him. He's got to harry him and harass him rather like Derek Chisora did in the first four or five rounds of, of Alexander Usyk's second heavyweight fight. Mm. That's what he's got to do. And he's got to go after Usyk and he's got to hurt him and he's got to finish him and he's got to stand toe-to-toe and not stand back and try and jab him because Usyk's a southpaw. He's brilliant at finding weird angles. We saw that early in the fight, in the very first round, that Usyk was able to find angles to pop uh, Anthony Joshua by being mobile and being crab-like and finding the angles that Southpaw's find because they come from a different, they brain mindset, you know? So, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating fight, the second fight, but I think it makes absolute sense for him just to take his time. It's a marathon, not a sprint at the end of the day. Joshua said he wants to be around for five more years. Yeah. Take the step aside, let Usyk and Fury have the fight, and you never know he could then have his opportunity against Tyson Fury, who by then might be older, might have gone through another difficult 12 rounds against Alexander Usyk. Tyson Fury said to me when I did his homecoming tour, when we were in Manchester, I was in his hotel room, and he said to me, Deontay Wilder and I, great for the fans that fight, but we took punishment that we're going to feel later on in our lives. Everlasting punishment we took Mm. in that fight. Mm. You know, that's my view on it. Yeah, and I also feel, and it's interesting that you say that about Tyson Fury, because look, as much as we've said things like, you know, AJ will take a step aside and, you know, could potentially fight the winner of Fury, Usyk, I'm very much into thinking that if Fury beats Usyk and becomes undisputed, then he just sells off into the sunset. I, I honestly don't think there is a, a an undisputed fight against AJ. And look, a lot of money will be on the table for it, but I almost feel like he will think, you know, I've ticked all the boxes I want to tick here. And and we, and we're done. We we can call it quits from this sport because you're right. Those fights against Wilder, all three of them, he took punishment. Big big shots from Wilder. Yeah. You, you don't recover from those shots. You, you simply don't. And I can see him calling it quits. I can really see him. And, and and I guess the only other thing as well, does AJ deserve it? Like I mean, AJ for me as a fight fan, and put my you know my hardcore boxing hat away. But just as a fight fan, AJ versus the winner. AJ needs to do some good work to deserve that. So I'm talking, you might have to go through Joe Joyce, a Dillian White, a Hergovic. He's going to have to do something a bit special for fans to even get excited about him taking on the winner. No, I think he, no, I don't think he does. He just takes on the winner. It's as simple as that. He's the number three heavyweight in the world, in my view. I think um, Tyson Fury is number one, Alexander Usyk is number two, and he's number three. That's why when when Usyk and Fury fight, they'll fight for all four belts and the Ring Magazine title. Yeah. So it's five belts on the line for Joshua. He doesn't need. He doesn't need. He was the holder of three of the belts. Yeah. He he lost them to Andy Ruiz. He won them back rightfully in in, in a fine in fine fashion, slightly gun shy, and he's he's now a fighter behind the jab as opposed to someone that comes and attacks and lets his hands go. He's got to get back to being that character, the the the, the character that George Foreman says: be yourself, mm. be the destroyer, go back and be that. Same as Lennox Lewis, even though Anthony Joshua doesn't like the things Lennox Lewis says. These guys have been around in the sport a long time. They've been through the same processes. We've been watching this for a long time. Anthony Joshua is a clever guy. Why not take the one fight for a minimum of, if it's step aside and the fight uh, against either of Usyk and Fury, take that fight. And he's going to earn a minimum of around 50 million to do one fight. It's in any other business, you know, 
It doesn't even make business sense. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly, yeah, correct. But if they said, Addy, you know, when you're not on the air, we've got so <laughs> many people screaming for you, so many advertisers want to pay. We're going to pay you six months' salary to stay at home. Uh, you probably wouldn't. You'd say, no, no, I'd rather be in the studio and earn less money because you love it so much. But, <laughs> and, I probably, and I probably would as well. And maybe what we're saying in that is, do you know what? Maybe we understand why Anthony Joshua doesn't want to step aside. But I go back to his quotes where he called that story of mine bull. Um, it may be bull in his mind, but he did not say, um, no, I'm facing Alexander Usyk next. Yeah. This is my training team. And that's what I'm going to be out there. And that's no, what I wanted from nothing. that video. And Zip. he didn't. Zip. 100%. Zip. I agree. And I wanted him to do that in the video. I wanted him to say, that, that, that report in the Telegraph is nonsense because you know what we're doing? Usyk in May, he didn't do it. Didn't do it at all. Very quickly, just before we go to the break, do you, does that mean we are more likely now to get AJ versus Dillian White next? No. AJ will fight for the belts next. There's no doubt about it. He will not... Well, I don't see him fighting Dillian White because Dillian White... We There's three fights that can happen in my view and I may be wrong tomorrow night. You just don't know. I mean, because... That, that all, all the big movers and shakers are very tight-lipped and they are, we're definitely close to something because they're not t saying anything now. So it means they really have talked and they are, you know, they're just not letting the beans out. They're not letting those jumping jack beans out. What, what we're going to get, Fury against White for the WBC, we're going to get, or we're going to get Anthony Joshua against Usyk for those three belts in the rematch, or we're going to get Fury against Usyk for all of them. Those are the only three fights that can take place in my view. And hopefully tomorrow, high noon, Mexico City, OK Corral, the guns will be put back in the holsters and we'll hear that there's an entente cordial and we know who's fighting who next. Yeah, let, let's hope we do get some good news uh, from that. Uh, purse bids, um, as Gareth called it. Um, what did you call it, Gareth? High noon. What was the rest? high noon at the OK at the, at the Mexico City OK Corral of the WBC? Perfect. All right, this is Fun Extra on Talksport Two. Remember, still to come, we're going to look back on UFC Two Seventy. But up next, we're talking Khan versus Brook, which good news today will be live on Talksport. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. 
Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. With Kel, he talks a big game, then he backs. Come see Feb 19th, we'll see what happens on the night. You know, we just generally just don't like each other. It's going to make for a mouth-watering, exciting fireworks. Two huge icons in boxing that I grew up watching. It would be a travesty if the, this fight didn't take place. So, and it might be, you know, the defining fight in who's the best out of these two. Shellbrook has got himself in the ring. Amir Khan is making some suggestions to the fans at this moment in time. Who would win the fight? Oh, Khan's getting the crowd on his side. I love it. I love this pantomime. This is what sells fights, though. It's a 50-50 fight. I mean, Amir's hand speed's going to be dangerous early on. Cal's a championship fighter. With this fight, it's been a long time coming, and now and now we're here, we've got it. And everyone knows that, you know, we've had that bad blood for many years, so it's a good time for me to put him to bed. And we've not had a British rivalry fight for a very long time. Yeah, should be a good one, shouldn't it? It's funny, Gareth said on there that piece probably heard Gareth say it's a 50-50 fight, and, and he's right, it is now. I never thought it was in the 10 years preceding this fight, but now it certainly is a 50-50 fight. Look, TalkSport is to exclusively, exclusively broadcast the long-awaited grudge match between Amir Khan and Kelbrook in partnership with Boxer. The fight follows TalkSport's preview coverage of big fights, including Fury versus Wilder, Free gone down as one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time, and regular boxing content across the schedule, including TalkSport's fight night, and find it extra right here on TalkSport 2. Let's hear now, though, from Amir Khan, head of the long-anticipated belt. He says there is genuine animosity between him and Kelbrook. Every time we see each other, I mean, look, I can see in his eyes as well, he, he doesn't like me. And likewise, we've always had that bitterness against each other, you know? I, I respect what he's done in the sport of boxing. For any fighter to win a world title, you have to respect them. He's been there, he's done it, but, you know, I've not got that respect for him in that sense. When I, when I step in that ring with him, I'm, I'm there to punch him right in the face and do a proper job on him. Yeah, Gareth A. Davis there speaking to Amir Khan. He also spoke to Kel Brook, and this is what Kel Brook had to say about taking on Amir Khan. You know, it's it's irritating that, that uh, another fellow Brit or any fighter uh, overseas or not, you know, we're climbing the risk of life in there and, you know, for what I've done, going over to America, winning the world title, you know, jumping up two weights, fighting Golovkin, you know, I've never really get, been given the props from him. You know, and any fight at any level should always give that respect, you know, because we know how hard it is and what we have to do to get in that ring, you know, to uh, to, to, to go into battle. So, you know, it's just disrespect and it's, it's just irritating. He's in cuckoo land. He, uh, <laughs> he believes all the hype from all these backpack, back slappers. And, you know, I just want to, I want to basically give him a punch in the face, basically. Both fighters saying exactly the same things that it's interesting. Um... They dislike each other. I do wonder when this fight's all said and done, Gareth, is there'll be, whether or not there'll be a mutual respect, a, a handshake. That's kind of what we want to see from both. But I think it's got the ingredients for a very special night in Manchester, just because I think both of them have almost deteriorated as well, at exactly the same rate, which is 
which is interesting. Um, I think we've seen the best Amikan, obviously. He's had a long career. We've seen the best Kelbrook as well. And, you know, you mentioned at the top there, Gareth, 50-50 fight. And you are right, it is a 50-50 fight. But for the longest amount of years, I've always thought that Kel had the advantage in this one. Now, I'm not sure at all. Now, I have no idea yeah, how it's going to play out. I agree. I mean, you know, um, I think Kel's ability in the mid-range, ability to command a fight, his ring generalship, did make him the more dangerous foe. Um, as you say, kind of three, maybe four years ago, but now it has equalised. Um, you know, it's difficult for Cal to make the weights in his 30s. They've gone to 149 pounds. Amir said he's given them all the things that they want. He's getting the lion's share of the purse. He's revealed that. He revealed that in their, that press conference. Look, they, they almost came to blows the minute they stood face to face. They couldn't contain themselves, you know. Um, and when there's a genuine grudge match, going back to... Ben and Eubank, you only need to say their surnames. And, and, <laughs> and you know, the, the, the kind of fights that we, we've seen in this country, the Lennox Lewis and Frank Bruno, you know, it's it's right up there with, with the biggest grudge fights. We never got uh, Junior Witter when he was a WBC champion against Ricky Hatton. Yeah. Um, and that's a fight we should have seen. But Ricky didn't want to um, yield uh, at all and, and, and give... Junior, that big payday and a big opportunity against him. And Witter was a great boxer at the time. And, you know, that's a tragedy, a travesty, rather, that didn't happen. Um, and thank God they've signed. I mean, I do worry that this fight could get delayed or someone could get COVID. Even Kel expressed it to me later on in the interview that he does worry. He said, until Amir's opposite him with gloves on and the bell's about to sound and the names have been read out and the records and all those things and the crowd's in, that he won't believe he's actually in the fight. And I think um, it's, it's a really difficult one because I, it will be terrible if this fight collapses in any way, shape or form, because we are now really excited about it. And, and you know, the arena sold out in record time and they yeah. thought afterwards they could have put it in a bigger arena. Um, it, it's a terrific matchup and it's something with, that, obviously there was a lot of noise and it was too late and people aren't interested anymore, but. It's nonsense now. Look how interested people are. Like you said, you weren't that thrilled by the prospect of it, the idea of it to begin with. But now, now <laughs> it's going to happen. You think, this is fascinating. It's a car crash fight with two guys very late in their career. Both, I mean, I don't want to sound unkind, but they're both well past their prime. Yeah. And it's a big money fight. And there's a big money fight there, in my view, with Conor Ben for the winner. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think Conor Ben beats both of them at the moment because I just think he's too young he's too strong he's not as adept uh, yet as both of them are and not as experienced and they've been in with some great great campaigners but you know some great stars of the sport but you know it, it, it's it's gonna be we're gonna be on tent hooks we're gonna be on the edge of our seats when that first bell rings because we just don't know what's gonna happen Honestly, we've absolutely no idea. I, I was watching Kel do those media rounds last week, and you obviously spoke to him. Uh, the weight's been a big issue for Kel because he really is a, a big 147 pounder. Although this will be a couple of pounds higher, I still don't think that really helps him that much. Of a modest view, I thought he looked still pretty big doing those media rounds. I still thought he looked a bit fleshy. Um, I know the way in which Dominic Ingle likes his fighters to lose weight, and it almost seems to be like a drastic cut in the last 24, 48 hours. I'm a bit worried about Kel making that 149 pound limit. 
Yeah, well, well, like you say, if you lose a lot of weight quickly, it does impact on your performance. There's no question about that. We've seen that down the years with different fighters. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons that Kel um, has revealed that he's done a six-week camp all the way through Christmas. He was doing 90-mile bike rides on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Um, It's the longest camp he's ever had away from home, from his wife and his children. Um, six weeks in Fuerteventura and you know he's got the climate for that I thought he looked fantastic I mean I did a zoom with him in his car after the media rounds and he looked very chiseled in the jaw he looked mm. in phenomenal shape okay. and and remember look this is a legacy fight for him he's seeing this as a world title fight there's no world titles on the line but he's seeing this as pure legacy. Um, you know, he talked about Anthony Joshua earlier, Eddie, about uh, mentally what he's going through as a warrior at the moment, as a fighter, about making a decision about, you know, what may in his deep fighting psyche look like a, a step backwards, but he can do it facing. And I think, you know, for Cal Brook, he will bring everything he's got in this fight. We may get a phenomenal fight between these two guys. They might both be down in this fight and get up again and um, be roared on by the crowd. And we might see a special, special fight on the night, you know, where they do find that that last, those last throws in themselves in, in, in long careers where they, they know that the fight will be talked about forever as, you know, yes, it came late, but... Kel gets the bragging rights forever or Ami gets the bragging rights forever over each other. We know in 20 years' time they'll be friends. Mm. I've seen it so many times with fighters who literally look like they hated each other, later on go on tours on stage together and have fun and laugh about the days they did this or said that. And, you know, we've seen it recently with... um, with Chris Eubank Jr. and Nigel Benn on tour, and apparently they got on so well. Um, and, and, and so everything's on the line for these two because, again, their pride is at stake more than anything. They're going to earn well out of it. But at the end of the day, all these fighters, all the sportsmen we ever talk about, they, they know they know when they get older in their career that people stop being talked about and fresh blood comes on the scene and the new sharks. And, and if they can walk away with victory over each other, then, you know, it's the championship of each other. This is it's not for a belt. It's for the championship of each other. And that's what's so thrilling about this is one man gets all the glory. And, you know, that's why I said earlier they've got a rematch clause, because if it's an amazing fight, they may just do it again. And they probably will do it again if it's good, because the money would be very, very good as well. Uh, just got a minute before we go to the break, Gareth. I just want to quickly touch on the February that Sky Sports have for boxing, especially when everyone thought one match from Lee, that could be that for Sky Sports and, and their boxing coverage. And you think they've got Christy Benton Jr. and Liam Williams. Uh, you'll be there for that one as well. Obviously, this one between Ame Khan and Kel Brook, they've got uh, Josh Taylor versus Jack Cattrall. What a fantastic February that is. Absolutely. And you've got Savannah Marshall and, and Clarissa Shields heating up. Clara, Clarissa Shields, obviously, uh, making her UK debut. Clarissa Shields, the brilliant middleweight fighter, mm. uh, middleweight, super middleweight fighter, double Olympic gold medalist. You know, she's a fantastic, fantastic exponent in women's boxing. And she's making her debut. So that adds to the February the 5th. Uh, Cardiff card as well. That's going to be a raucous atmosphere oh. in the ice rink there in Cardiff. Three and a half thousand fans. Chris Eubank Jr. knowing 
that he's got to go into the lion's den. He loves that kind of thing. I'm seeing him on Thursday this week down in Brighton for Talk Sport, a special documentary uh, hour that I'm doing with Liam Williams and Chris Eubank on Sunday night on TalkSport. Really looking forward to putting that together. Can't wait to see Eubank as well. He must believe that he can beat Liam Williams by going to Wales because he has it all to lose, really, because he could be facing a Golovkin soon, you know? And we know that Golovkin, Gennady Golovkin's fight with Ryoto Murata was delayed because of COVID yeah. over the New Year, Christmas and New Year period. Um, and obviously they they probably will still fight. But Chris Eubank is gunning for a big fight like a Golovkin. That's a fight I'd like to see him have if he comes through Liam Williams. But styles make fights, and that is a thrilling fight. I spoke to Jack Catterall last week as well for fight night on the Saturday night, and he's really up for his fight, undefeated, of course, in 26 fights. You know, he's a, he's a young father. He's very, very excited in, in his late 20s now. He feels really ready for this challenge. He, he's an unperturbable character. And he's seeing that. He's looking at George Cambosos last year against Tio Lopez. He's mm-hmm. looking at Kiko Martinez against Kid Galahad. He's looking at the upsets and going, do you know what? That's what I want to see on uh, February the 26th, I think it is. It is. Um, up in Glasgow at the Hydro, an amazing arena with amazing acoustics. I was there when Josh Taylor won his Commonwealth gold medal back in 2014. Um, it's an amazing place. All the tartan will be out. The kilts will be there. The bagpipes will be playing. And he will march out like a Scottish warrior of old against the Lancastrian. As, as Jack Cattrall said, it's the English against the Scots, and it's going to be amazing. Ditto when Chris Eubank goes from Brighton up to Wales to meet Liam Williams. It's going to be phenomenal. Roy Jones Jr., Adam Booth, great trainers involved as well. Cannot wait, Eddie. Yeah, cannot wait. It's honestly a fantastic February for Sky Sports, and when it comes to their boxing coverage, it really is that special. All right, this is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Next, we're going to look back at UFC 270. <laughs> No, it's not simply money. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, money is a part of it, but it's also the term of the contract that uh, I don't agree with it. You know, I don't feel like uh, it's fair. I don't feel like I'm free. Interesting words from the current UFC heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou, after that victory against Cyril Gone. Weekend just gone, UFC 270. Um, look, Dana White didn't put the belt around his waist, and people might act like that's not a big thing. Well, it is, considering that he always does it. Mick Maynard done it instead. Dana White didn't do the post-fight press conference as well. Again, always does it. And I think it's because he was going to field questions about Ngannou that he didn't really want to answer, so he decided, you know what, Let, let's skip that completely. Uh, I didn't like that. I don't like that at all. Um, interesting one, though, when it comes to the UFC. Even if, even if Ngannou was happy with his contract and you know he was settled in, you look at who potentially he could fight next, and it's not the strongest division in terms of that. Like, you got young kids coming up, like I think Tom Aspinall will fight for a UFC title in a couple of years' time, but not now. Um, so uh, unless John Jones agrees to come back anytime soon, and he can sort out his own issues with Dana White. There's not much there for Ngannou to go at, is there, in the next sort of 12 Mm. months? No, definitely. I mean, I think John Jones is the fight. And Jones is very vocal, wasn't he, on uh, on social media, saying if that's all that there is, 
in the heavyweight division. Um, speaking about, the, I'm sure we'll talk about the fight in a minute, the Francis Ngannou defence against Cyril Ghosn mm. uh, on, on Saturday night at the brilliant Honda Centre in Anaheim, California. I've been there several times for fights. Um, you know, two rounds to Ghosn and then three rounds to Ghosn was how I saw it. Yeah, he did a brilliant yeah. job, actually, but not the fight any of us were expecting, was it? And I know we'll come to that. But John Jones is, is the fight. It's yeah. it, 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 it's the fight. And I mean, I don't know if I said it on the show with you last week, but, you know, what you need, I think I did, uh, John Jones and Conor McGregor back in the UFC and outside that, Israel Adesanya, yeah, there's some other stars in the sport, you know, um, but the, the UFC are missing those guys. And, you know, then John Jones isn't getting any younger. I just want to see him at heavyweight. There was a time when there was a million pay-per-view buys in him going in against the top 10, Eddie, like three years ago, when even when people like big country Roy Nelson were around, I'd have seen <laughs> him against John Jones. No, but they would all have really sold. He could have gone one by one through the heavyweight division and it would have been amazing. Um, for me, that's, that's the key. You know, you look at the heavyweight division and... You know, it's not that exciting. It's, you know, the depth and breadth has not been that amazing yeah. for ages. And and I'll say as well, Cyril Gans, you know, yes, Victor, a, a very faded junior dos Santos, but we didn't know, even though he's more rounded as a mixed martial artist, what he really had. And Francis Ngannou showed that he he has levels in him, as they say in MMA. Mm. And I, I, he, he pulled off a victory. How often do we see this? When we think it's going to be a heavy striking match between two huge men, do we see the fight go a completely different way? And I thought it was a very, very um, unexpected fight. It was a very slow fight, wasn't it? You know, yeah. it was. It was not. It was. It was not the thrills and spills that we were expecting by in any way, shape, or form. No, not at all. Honestly, when when they both went to the centre of the octagon, I was like, oh, here we go. I had them, you know, that yeah. kind of feeling in your pit of your stomach. Yeah. Like, this is going to be crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't. It wasn't crazy at all. But look, credit to Ingano. He proved that he can go five rounds. Everyone's questioned his gas tank and his maybe his ground skills. He's clearly improved on those. And that's obviously happened by switching camps. So look, he looked really good. But I'm so with you on the John Jones thing. Um, look, I love John Jones more than any other UFC fighter in history. And I've always loved him, regardless of his outside stuff, which isn't great. I've always said him in the octagon, there isn't a better fighter I've seen. And that, that's including Anderson Silva and the rest of them. How John Jones wasn't ringside for that one. I think the, the UFC just messed up. How he's not ringside and, you know, the two, remember, he's 260 pounds right now. Him walking up to the ring and going nose to nose of Ngannou, that's a million pay-per-view buys right there. Take my money immediately. Um, immediately. And they messed up. Like you say, they did mess up. There were two things that didn't happen. Dana White should have put the belt around Francis Ngannou's waist. Mm -hmm. And that is a mystery to all of us, even though we know that Ngannou only has one fight left on his contract and there's negotiations going on. Dana White doesn't get on with his management team. Remember, yeah. they have they have issues. Um, and, and secondly, John Jones should have stepped in there afterwards and they should have gone nose to nose. Ooh, it would have been an God. amazing moment. I know it would have been an amazing moment. A push, a shove. There you go. Two and a half million buys. <laughs> Boom. Easy, you know, it was a it was a missed opportunity, Eddie. Simple as that. Yeah, you're right. And even just talking about it now is it getting me excited because it would have been yeah. it would have been crazy. Yeah. And there's yeah. no one for Ingardo to fight. John Jones wants money. It would have been the one fight where you can actually both guarantee them big big money. Yeah. Like you, you're gonna get big money because this is gonna be crazy and we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna promote it the best we can. And we know the UFC when they want to do a good job in promotion. Yeah. 
So it is disappointing. Uh, very quickly, we've got about a minute left here. Um, Figueredo yeah. uh, got his belt back against Moreno. That's the third time they fought. They're going to do it a fourth, aren't they? They're going to go again. Yeah, it's so they hard will. to split them. Listen, the, the, those fighters, you know, that they have such skill levels. They are so fast. It's always thrilling to see the small men fight. You know that that you know the flyweights are extraordinary. You know when you think they're they're they're, they're men and they're 125 pounds. Mm. That they're, they're brilliant, brilliant fighters. Um, and those two are an absolute credit to the sport and a credit to themselves. Yeah. I thought Davison Figueredo thoroughly deserved his victory. Um, and yeah, I agree. Let's have a fourth fight. Absolutely makes sense. Yeah, makes sense at all. Uh, Figueredo is that, you know, I can go to Mexico and do it if we want. I don't mind going into Moreno's backyard. Moreno said, you know, I'll go to Brazil, do it in your backyard. So both of them clearly won it as well. Should be fun if they ever get it on. Um, as always, Gareth, thank you very, very much for coming on. Really appreciate your company. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.